Would you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16? We're going to look at verses 18 and 19. If you've been around church very long, you're probably really familiar with this passage of Scripture. If you're new to church, this is going to be brand new for you. Matthew chapter 16, 18 to 19. Now, let me, let me set for you the setting. Jesus is in the northern part of the nation of Israel, the region that is known as the Galilee. He's right up near what we would call today the Lebanon border. He's in a, a resort community Caesarea Philippi. Now, historically, there wasn't really a village there. It's the headwaters of the Jordan, but it is also a grotto for the god Pan, the idol Pan. And in the caves, that have been made there by the water over the centuries coming, coming out. It's right at the foot of Mount Hermon. And the caves that have been created there by the water, they cut little shelves into the rock to put images of the idol Pan, and they made it a grotto to the god Pan. Now, and so, historically, it was called Panis. But as the uh, Arab community began to control that region of the world, they don't have the letter P in their alphabet. They can't pronounce it in, the, in their language. So, so it became known as Banis with a B. B-A-N-I-S instead of P-A-N-I-S. Philip, one of the sons of Herod the Great, King Herod, Herod had made a city in honor of Caesar Augustus right on the Mediterranean coast, and he named it Caesarea. Today it's known as Caesarea by the Sea. The reason Caesarea by the Sea is because after dad had died, Philip was made the procurator or the leader, the governor of the northern region. He wanted to honor Caesar also, so he built a resort community at Panis and named it after Caesar. However, he wanted to have a little bit of glory for himself also, and so he named it Caesarea Philippi, I'm sure Caesar appreciated him putting his name in there too. Caesarea Philippi. There at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus has been with his disciples at that grotto of this idol. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? It was a 
spiritual quiz. Some said, well, some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Others say you're Jeremiah, to come back from the dead. And then he really put them to the test. He said, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter, bold Peter, who occasionally would get it exactly right. A lot of times he spoke with foot firmly in mouth, but this time he got it exactly right. He said, thou art the Christ. In other words, you're Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, right on, Peter. That's my paraphrase, okay? That's not how it says it in Scripture. But Jesus basically said, right on, Peter. Right on. But then he said this. He said, you didn't get this from flesh and blood. Men didn't reveal this to you. You didn't get this from studying the writings of men. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. And then Jesus said these words that's recorded for us in, the, in Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. And I say to you, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Give to you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, when he said, upon this rock I'll build my church, I know that theologians down through the centuries have said he was talking about he was building upon Peter, and so Peter was the first pope, and all of that is man's thinking and writing. When you study it correctly in its context, Jesus was not referring to Peter but referring to the confession of Peter, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. Upon this I will build my church. How do we know that? Because in the 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And Peter wrote it this way. Peter himself wrote it this way. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone upon which the church is built. Jesus, not Peter, Jesus. Upon this rock I will build my church. In another place, it says that Jesus Christ was the rock in the wilderness struck by Moses. He was that rock. Jesus is the rock. Upon this rock, upon Jesus Christ, upon Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Now, here's where Father wants us to go this morning. You ready? Get ready. The reality of a living being called the devil, called Lucifer, the fallen angel, also called the dragon, okay? Also called Satan, also called Beelzebub. All of those names are for the same 
spiritual being, a fallen angel, that is a very real being. But in our postmodern culture, the only place that it's okay to believe in the devil is Hollywood and the movies or television shows. Then it's okay to believe in demons and it's okay to believe in the devil. But it's not okay in modern contemporary thinking. It's not okay in our modern medicine, in our modern sciences, in our modern education, in our higher education. It's not okay to believe in the devil. Okay? Wink, wink. While they don't believe in the devil, they will go out and they will spend an entire weekend at some new age guru searching for their spirit guide. Now, dear ones, what we've got to come to grips with is there is a very real alternative kingdom the kingdom of darkness. Jesus talked about it. There's a very real devil. And he talked about it. When he, talked, when he was referring here to the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, he was talking about the fact there's a very real kingdom of darkness that has a kingdom and it has principalities and powers. It has rulers. It has a hierarchy of authority. All the way from little imps that just do assignments to regional king, great power, princes that have great authority and great power that rule over regions, that rule over cities that rule over neighborhoods of cities. And just as, as the Lord Jesus Christ said, I want you to know, every human being has an angel assigned to them from Almighty God. I want you also to know that there are demonic forces that are assigned against you from Satan. We fight in a very real warfare of kingdom of darkness. That is why the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the strategies and the plans and purposes of the enemy. What enemy? What enemy? Well, many times we think our enemy is a supervisor at work or a bully co-worker at work, or a bully on the playground, or an abusive life partner. Or a creditor that won't leave you alone. Or some imaginary something that always makes everything go wrong. And we usually call it Murphy's Law. Now, I, I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, 
that bully at work, that bully on the playground, that wife that nags you all the time or that husband that is always verbally abusing you, that imaginary something or other that just seems to make everything go wrong all the time, the constant drama that you live in, all of that is being animated by the power of darkness. That's why the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is a spiritual warfare being animated maybe through a physical person, but it's a spiritual battle that you're fighting. That emotional drama that you constantly face, that wrestling that you have with fear, that wrestling that you have with insecurity, that wrestling that you have with low self-worth, that wrestling that you struggle with with rejection, that wrestling that you struggle with with fear and anxiety, that, that struggle that you have with that addiction, that struggle that you have with anger, that struggle that you have with your tongue, that struggle that you have every day that you wrestle with these negative thoughts, the constant harassment with, with thoughts of suicide, I'm telling you that is coming from a spiritual force that wants to destroy you. Jesus meant it when he said, the thief, Satan, Lucifer, the demonic forces come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. The good news, while there is a kingdom of darkness wanting to destroy you, there is a kingdom of light, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He came that he might destroy the power of darkness and give you an abundant life. Hallelujah. That's why it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of darkness. So we wrestle against these powers and we feel powerless. And we are in our natural human self. We are in our natural human self. We're powerless against the powers of darkness in our natural human self. That's why, can, can we just be honest? If you could have conquered that addiction, if you could have conquered those negative emotions, if you could have conquered those, that, that thinking that, that just takes you down, if you could have conquered that, you would have done that long ago. Let's just be honest. Come on. You're, you're powerless against it. In yourself. In yourself. In yourself. You're powerless against it. But I bring you good news. Okay, go ahead now. Now, just sit up straighter because while I was telling you all this negative stuff, you slumped way down. Go ahead, sit up in your chair straighter and, 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 and just start. Okay, here comes the good part. I win. Go ahead, say that out loud. Here comes the good part. I win. I win. Jesus came, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a Virgin Mary. 
He was crucified, buried, and rose the third day for one purpose, to destroy the kingdom of darkness and to redeem you from the kingdom of darkness. The scripture says when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We are, one translation says it this way, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, where do you reside? In the kingdom of Almighty God. Well, that's, that's the first step of victory. Come on. I'm no longer under the authority of the kingdom of darkness. If I'm in the kingdom of Almighty God, I'm now under the authority of the throne of Almighty God. Great. I told you we got good news here. But that's just step number one. Here is step number two. That's, by the way, was in Colossians chapter one, verse. 13, I knew you'd want to know that. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. In verse 5, it says, For by grace are we saved. Verse 6 says, And he has raised us up and made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places. So not only have we been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son, so now we're under the throne and the authority of Almighty God, but now we discover we are seated with Jesus Christ on that throne. Come on. You don't look nearly happy enough for that. You got to get that down inside your heart. But someone's doing this. I've heard all of this. Well, then how come you're still struggling? Well, let me give you a little nugget while you're still struggling. There's a difference between hearing it and doing it. That's why in James chapter 1, it says, and do not be hearers of the word only, de deceiving yourselves, but be doers of the word. He goes on to say this. And whosoever is a doer of the word and not a hearer only, that man will be blessed in his deeds. So today, we're going to step out from being hearers of the word to being hearers and doers of the word. Amen. Okay. Now, let me stop a second. 
Let me check our time frame because we got to be done by two. Okay, all right. So we're raised up, delivered from the kingdom of darkness, delivered into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We're seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Here's the next thing he says. And I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Amen. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. But before he said that, he said this, and I want you to understand that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, here is how I've heard that preached down through 50 years of ministry. And dear ones, be encouraged because God has said to us, the gates of hell can't prevail against us. So I just want you to understand whatever Satan's bringing against you, it can't prevail against you. Stop. I just want to, I just want to draw, you're going you're to laugh when I draw this but this is what they're saying. So let me ask you this. How many of you have ever walked into a field and had the gate of a farmer's field attack you? On a windy day? Could be on a windy day in Hermiston. Okay. But you know what I'm saying. Or walk down a sidewalk, and as you're walking down the sidewalk, that gate just reaches out and slaps you one. No, it doesn't. No. How many of you have ever come up to a farmer's gate and wrestled and fought and wrestled and fought till you finally got it open, but you got it open and you went through? How many of you ever walked up to the gate of somebody's house and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and finally got the gate open so you could go up and knock on their door? Come on, right? You don't have a gate attack you. You attack the gate. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ was talking about. He's talking about not that we are huddling down, you know, weak and fearful and being harassed in our mind and being harassed in our emotions, being harassed in our flesh, being harassed in our relationships, being harassed in our life, going from drama to drama to drama, and we're just hunkering down and just hanging on till Jesus comes because the gates of hell can't prevail against us. Stop! Why did he give you the keys? He gave you the keys so you could attack the gates of hell. Why else did he give you a key? If I say to you, here's the key to my house, I'm going to be gone for the next couple of weeks. I don't mean for you just to guard the key. Come on. Go ahead, go in the house. Help yourself in the refrigerator. Watch some of our old 1960s DVDs. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a whole bunch of the VHS too, yes. Some of them I've updated to DVDs. You know what I'm saying? Give you the keys, because I'm saying, help yourself to our house. And I want you to understand, this is what Jesus has said. I give to you the keys of the kingdom. And one of those keys is for you to be able to open the gates of hell 
and loose the people in the gates of hell so you can plunder hell to populate heaven. But the other key is for you to open the gates of heaven and for you to access and loose everything God has for you in heaven so that it is in your life. How many blessings? Well, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you using your keys? Or did you just take them and put them in that spiritual drawer and you've just been hanging on till Jesus comes? Been letting the enemy beat you up. It's time to say, not on my watch. 